G'day community and welcome to the JRBBL podcast. My name is Damo. Last week with Azza, we went through the cheapies, the players who were probably too expensive, the double game week for the Heat and the Sixers first up, domestic and international interference. And this week, we're also going to talk about potentially where players could fit in their rosters, although most are unfinished. And joining me to do that is Dill. How are you, mate? Yeah, good. Thanks, Dan. I can't um, get into BBL 11 now, so fingers crossed it's as um, a good a season as last one was. All right. So I asked Azza this last week. Mm-hmm. I assume you've done a first draft. Who stands out on your first draft as someone that no one's really thinking about? Geez, that's a good question. I think, I don't know if I have an answer to that. Early on, I find it's really important not to fall behind. You know, when it comes finals time, everyone ends up with the same, you know, picking the same pool of, let's say, 15 players. It's sort of at the start of the year where you either break away and really set yourself up or start pulling and you have to play catch up the whole time. And I'm not sure if you can always do that. So at the moment, I'm not sure that there's too many players in my side that are, I guess, pods. Um, you know, I've, I've got your, your Sams, your Currens, your Maxwells, your Shorts, um, Marcus Stoinis, Mitch Marsh types. I don't know that I have a have a pod as per se. One guy that I haven't seen in too many teams necessarily and isn't necessarily relevant either is Seb Gotch for the Stars. And we'll touch on this later, but the Stars haven't got another wicketkeeper on their roster at the moment. It's Gotch or Bust, so... You know, there's no one cheaper than Gotch for that second wicketkeeper position. And until they sign a, another um, another keeper, he's one that I think is the front runner for that bench spot at the moment for me. Very good, very good. Well, since last week, my side has changed a little bit. So it was not my first draft. I can't call it my first draft anymore. But a player that has forced their way in after some serious thinking is Xavier Bartlett for the Heat. Uh, he seems too cheap to pass up given the Brisbane Heat's current roster and the potential domestic and international interference with their players. And he didn't have a bad season last year. He just, he, it was, it, it's, it's not the sub, but we'll call it the sub. But he got subbed out on quite a few occasions when maybe he shouldn't have been. Yeah, they tended to look at Mornay Morkel's experience a little bit more than, I guess, Bartlett would have hoped um, in the many ways he, as you said, got subbed out and only brought his one or two overs um, in a lot of games. He's one that I hadn't really considered. But as you said, if we lose guys like Steckity, like Michael Nisa um, to this um, Australia A squad at the start of the season, then I think Bartlett could be one of the best buyers, really, at less than 100k on a double game week. Um, yeah, I like that pick a lot. All right, well, we'll talk about the cheapies from here because Bartlett is under $100,000. Who are some other cheapies that you think are too cheap? Yeah, so in terms of rookies, I know Finch will be pretty popular. Matt Renshaw will be pretty popular. Ashton Agar as well, assuming he's not in that Australia A side. Um, other guys, Chris Rogers, who plays for the uh, – sorry, who's the coach of the Victorian state side at the moment. He said midweek that Will Sutherland, Jake Fraser-McGurk and Mitch Perry are three really um, good youngsters at the moment who have really impressed him. I think that they'll hopefully get a little bit more um, exposure this season, especially given the Renegades are, I guess, you know, rebuild, for want of a better word, um, as far as you can go in a, in a franchise-based competition like this. Hopefully those guys get a little bit more exposure. Um, so they're, they're a watch um, sort of thing. Uh, got to have mentioned, um, and Usman Kawaja is another one who open, who'll open for the Thunder. 
Um, I don't think he'll be picked in any um, Australian squads at this point in time and is the captain as well. So he's he's underpriced given um, what his previous output has been in the competition. I know last year it was a down year for him, but I think he's he's underpriced. And then Daniel Hughes is another one who's got the, uh, the double game week um, first up and will bat in the top three or four for the Sixers. Any others that you like, Damo? I've been harping on about uh, Joel Paris, I think. Yep. At the Hurricanes, he's definitely got a position to fill with James Faulkner not there anymore. Um, I like the look of Matt Willens at the Heat, especially if the players who are called up are called up as expected. Um, I think at the moment with their roster, he could be their 11th man. So his job security, not great, but there's a role for him if, um, if it pans out the way we expect. Ben Menenti, you did mention before we started recording that Lloyd Pope is someone that might push him out of his spin role. Um, I hadn't thought about that before, but it does make sense. Yeah, it's sixes are interesting. They've obviously got Nathan Lyon, who'll be on the in the test side, but after that, they've got Steve O'Keefe, the veteran, Ben Menenti, and Lloyd Pope, who are, I guess, your little your lesser known spinners. They often rotate those three guys around, whether it's one of them, whether it's two of them. Um, they don't really have a guy that'll just play the. 15 games or whatever it is straight. Um, so those, yeah, it's a, a little bit tough to predict that. And I don't know that you could confidently pick someone and assume they're going to get a decent run at it necessarily. Um, unless, of course, someone clearly puts their hand up um, throughout the preseason. Yeah, for sure. So we'll move on from the cheapies because until rosters are confirmed, we really don't know who's too cheap to ignore. Yeah. Let's talk about the guys who are expensive, probably too expensive. Who's Who are you avoiding? Yeah, so I've got two names. First one is Alex Hales. Now, I know he's, you know, was top five for run scored last season at the Big Bash, but he's a bat only. Um, his last 10 games in the English... Uh, Vitality Blast, he's only had one score above 40 and he's averaged just over 20 runs, so he's not in the best form. Um, he doesn't have a double game week until round 10. And against the Heat, who, is at, who he plays round one, he has, that's a, the team he's, he's struggled with um, the most over his big bash career. So there's a lot of question marks around Hales. Um, he's priced at 180-odd. Um Last season, when you know he, he put together some pretty strong performances, he maxed out at two hundred and fifteen grand, so he's not too far off that. He bottomed out at one hundred and twenty-six grand, so I think if he has a few stinkers early in the season, you can pick him up for probably fifty k less than what he what he'll start at. I'm going to go with someone who's probably not as obvious as people are thinking, and he did have a gr- a good back end to the season as well. But Jordan Silk is at at one hundred and thirty k. He started last season basically rookie-priced, and there's no evidence to assume that he will back up in this season what he did at the end of last season. Yeah, I love that call for sure. He's got that role that, you know, he doesn't bowl. He'll bat at five or six. It's a pretty it's a pretty toxic role. I mean, you could he potentially scores nothing um, in one of those first two game weeks. If the Sixers, if the Sixers bat really well at the top with you guys like um, Josh Felipe and... And Hughes and Henriquez, these sorts of players, Silk could Silk could score pretty um pretty poorly. So he's one that I would I'd be steering clear of as well. Another guy that I thought Brendan Doggett, Thunder, um, they haven't really finalised their roster yet, but Doggett is one that he he's just not the sort of player that I think you can warrant spending so much money on. You know, when there's guys like Stoinis, Mitch Marsh, um, these sorts of players that 
can do a job with bat and ball. I can't really see how you can um, validate forking out so much money for um for for Doggett. I'll add another one in there, uh, and as I pointed him out last week as well, Zach Evans at the Renegades is far too expensive at one hundred and sixty-four thousand dollars. Given he he had a few good games, and that is what's boosted his price up. But he's definitely doesn't have the runs on the board to um, back up paying one hundred sixty-four grand for him. Neither does Liam Hatcher, and and who knows if Tanvir Sanger can can uh, back up his season because he did fizzle out at the end of the season there with some pretty poor scores. Yeah, I think he was dropped as well towards the end of the year, so he's um he's one that he's not a lock um to start necessarily, so I'd probably um wait and see with Sanger as well, especially given no double game week for for the Thunder until later on in the year. We were talking, we were having a look at the Sydney Thunder roster and we realized a lot of teams haven't completed their rosters yet. The Sydney Thunder batting order with Callum Ferguson no longer there is of great interest to us. What other roster developments are you looking at for the season? There's so many, I guess, holes in teams at the moment. Aside from the Sixers, everyone's still really up in the air. The, the Thunder, as you mentioned, Hales and Kawaja, I think, will be the, the, the top two. Um, but after that, you know, you're looking at Ollie Davies, I think, will probably play permanently. But then you've got these all-rounders like Ben Cutting, Daniel Sams, um, Chris Green could also qualify as an all-rounder, I guess. Do they look at a guy like Alex Ross, who's, who's I guess, an older sort of player? Do they back him in or do they go a, a younger guy like um, Matt Jilks or Baxter Holt, who are wicketkeeper batsmen who, I guess, haven't had the same exposure or experience that Ross has had? That's a massive watch. The Scorchers, did you want to talk about the Scorchers a little bit, Damo? Only Colin Munro has been confirmed as an international so far. Um, Jai Richardson is battling a back injury or or random back spasms i think it's like they're calling it um no confirmation that liam livingston's going to return so their bowling stocks are a little bit thin especially for a pace for a pace bowler or, or a fast bowler um and their batting stocks are probably a bit thin in that middle order so who knows how that pans out but in saying that though they did put a lot of faith into Cam Bancroft in the later stages of last season and he was really really good in that role of a of a batter at top 4 and at 92k he's another cheapie that we forgot to talk about that people may have to consider. Yeah, would you look at Aaron Hardy at all? I know he had some games where he was really um, involved, but then also some games where he either wasn't in the side or, or hardly hardly had a had a role. Would you look at him at all? There was big raps on him last season, and he was a rookie that played the majority of the games, but his batting wasn't great and his bowling wasn't very economical. There were games where he could score really well because, he, because of a few catches that helped him with wickets, but I'm not considering considering him straight off, no. Yeah, yeah, nice. Another team I've sort of kept an eye on, my team, the Melbourne Stars, we haven't signed an international player yet, so there's a massive, massive watch on, on how we'll shape up. I mentioned Gotch at the start at the moment. I think you pick him as your second wicket keeper, but the Stars are really um, up in the air still. You know, I look at, they signed Joe Burns, but I'm not sure that he's um, a, a worthy pick. I think he'll bat in the middle order, and I think they'll stick with Stoinis and Cartwright at the top. Um, the Stars are still really, we've got no internationals yet. The Renegades, um, I think the Renegades are in rebuild mode almost. Um, they seem to, they've always been, I guess, the, the lesser of the two Melbourne sides, as bad as that sounds. You know, the Stars, have, they hate, they've got your Glenn Maxwells, they've had their Shane Warnes, the Kevin Peterson type, so I guess that's a more attractive, um, attractive brand. The Renegades have 
they seem to really have gone for youth. Um, obviously, there's a mixture of some veterans like your Finches and your, your Sean Marsh, your Ken Richardson types. But, you know, guys like Zach Evans, Jake Fraser-McGurk, Mackenzie Harvey, um, Mitch Perry, these players, I think they'll really um, rely on their youth this season, which is hopefully good for super coaches. Um, but, again, that's a, that's another side that very few internationals have been, have been signed up. So, you know, if they sign three middle-order batsmen, then... Fraser McGurk is probably not gonna not gonna play much at all. So that's they're still a watch. Um, did you want to talk about the Hurricanes at all? Well, like I said, Joel Paris is there to clearly fill a role. Uh, Fork and a left. Um, they've only signed, so they've got one spot open for an international because they've got Harry Brooks and Sandeep Lamashane. I believe that's how you say his surname. All eyes on who they sign as that final international, and they might wait for a little while before they announce it because last. Yeah, they had Will Jacks come in that didn't really work out. They had Colin Ingram come in for the first five or six games. They might see if he wants to come back for a full season because he was very good in their top order. And when he left, there was a clear there was a clear drop in form. Let's let's not dance around it. So it'll be interesting to see if they sign a batter or a bowler or an all rounder or who knows what. Yeah, the Hurricanes they've notoriously been a side that hasn't relied on their their internationals as much. Um, you know, in seasons gone by, Kimo Paul um, was another one that, that didn't really work out. They seem to really back in their, their Aussie players, so your Darcy Shorts, Matthew Wade. You know, Wade last season spent a bit of time in the test setup. Does is he back in that setup again this season? I'm not I'm not really sure. So he might be around a little bit more. Um, Peter Hanscom's another guy, Ben McDermott. Um, so they've got a really strong batting lineup. Um, as you said, though, the bowling lineup. Could be left a little bit to be desired. Um, Meredith Bowles Express, but after that, you're sort of looking at your Scott Bolands. Um, who else? Pa- as you said, Paris. That's probably who who comes in and fills that fills that role. Because they've got um, because they've got Boland, they've got Meredith, they've got uh, Ellis, Nathan yeah. Ellis. Yeah, I think Nathan Ellis is one at 150k who I would put in that on the fence of being really good value versus just maybe a tad expensive. Um, when James Faulkner walked out, I thought Ellis is going to be one to watch. When they signed Joel Paris, I sort of cooled off that stance a little bit. But I think Ellis is one to look at maybe once he loses a bit of cash. Yeah, good call. And the thing with Ellis as well is he ticks that box of late order hitting. You know, a guy like Riley Meredith, he'll bowl his four overs, but he's not really going to do any damage with the bat, whereas Ellis can bowl his four overs and then hit a quick, hopefully a quick 20 where you get your little bonus, um, 20 off 10 balls, and then that gets you another 30, 40 points. Yeah, exactly right. As we look towards round one, it is a double game week for the Sydney Sixers and the Brisbane Heat. How many double game week players are in your current setup at the moment, Dill? It's definitely unders. I've got four. So I've got uh, Josh Felipe, Tom Curran, Sean Abbott and Michael Nisa. Now the last two, Abbott and Nisa, I think could be in that um, all Oz squad early on. So that's, it's definitely unders with the amount I have at the moment. But the double game work, I don't think you want to rely on it too much because if there's a, a game, for example, that's um, potentially going to get rained out, there's no point in targeting a double game week if you're not going to get any cricket in. So that's one that I think at the moment, I guess your place, I've sort of got placeholders at, at, at certain values, but Chris Lynn is one that I haven't picked at the moment and he's a he's a perennial burn man for me. Every time I pick him, he stinks and every time I don't, he kills it. I, I think I have to pick him though, purely because he'll be so highly owned and if you don't have him and he goes, 
if he, and if he goes off, then you, you're so far behind the eight ball to start with. So I think Lynn will probably make his way into my side. Um, and Bartlett, as you mentioned, he's um, he's got a pretty good case as well. Um, how many have you got, Damo? I currently have six, potentially goes down to five. But your call on the weather is a good point. The Sixers play at the SCG and University of Tasmania Stadium in their first two games. And the Heat play at Monica Oval and then Optus Stadium. Now, December, Perth doesn't usually have a lot of rain, although there has been quite a bit so far this uh, spring. But Tasmania, Monica, Monica Oval and the SCG, all three of those games have every chance of being limited overs or rained out. Yeah, and if that's the case, I don't. I think you can afford to potentially rely less on these Sixers and Heat players, and then you could potentially look at your guys like your Melbourne Stars. Strikers are week two, double game within the Stars are week three. I think if one of those games were to get washed out, I would personally be looking at playing an extra star primo, so Stoinis Maxwell, over a an extra sixes primo, um, Abbott, Dwarshus, whoever, whoever you want to, um, whoever you want to call that. The sixes, are, I know we sort of moved on to the double game week a little bit, but I find the sixes really hard to read. Dan Christian was awesome last year, but I think he's a little bit overpriced this season. I'm, I think with the the return of Tom Curran, I don't think he'll be used as much with the ball, and he's been in pretty ordinary form. Of late. What, what are your thoughts on him? Azza talked me into Dan Christian, but then I quickly talked myself out of him. And you highlighting there that the return of Tom Curran may limit his role even further. So that's a very good point. Um, I think I think the Sixers are more Supercoach relevant than the Brisbane Heat at the moment. But as we yeah. have pointed out, the Sixers have a, have a complete roster and the Heat don't. So once the Heat sign a few players, they may become Supercoach relevant. But at the moment, really, it's only Chris Lynn that you can lock in. And you're not even locking him in yet, Dill. So maybe you can't even lock him in. But this just highlights the importance of making sure that you watch the weather forecast when you're deciding on your trades or how to build your team for the first round. Because let's say, for example, the SCG game, the Sixers play the Stars. I know you just said to maybe bring in a Stars player, but you're probably more likely to want to bring in a Strikers player who have the the round two double game week because they're playing at Marvel Stadium, which has the roof. Yeah, 100%. You're not going to, you know, if the Stars are in any doubt at all, I wouldn't, I'd probably drop both Stoinis and Maxwell. Um, I don't think you can afford to spend, you know, close to 270 grand on that combination if if you're not going to get any points from them in, in one week. So I think that's a big message that I'd like to sort of drill down on for BBL Supercoach is that it's really important that you stay up to date with the international availability, with the weather, with the... Um, with the new signings, with the you know the the current structure of each side, um, we'll release team previews and, and potential elevens. But that's something that if you if you're on top of that, that can really help you get an edge early on. I, th- I think international availabilities, domestic interference, and the weather are the three main things that super coaches really need to be across when they're building their sides and doing their trades. And there are people out there who are happy to help with this information. We will be posting the best that we can all this information when we have it. But then there'll also be uh, the late mail that comes out via the Herald Sun. And then there's all these other people on Twitter, uh, online, literally Google it. There's ways that you can stay across this. Yeah, for sure. And uh, that and it's so, like there's so many players that I feel like they're locks if they're playing 
But if they're not playing, you don't want to touch them at all because they're so expensive. Someone like Travis Head, you know, even we were talking the other day, I think he should bat at number five, five or six, five, five for Australia with, with Cam Green at six. But as I didn't have him in, in the 11 at all. So, you know, depending on where that goes, if Head, if Travis Head is named, I'd, I'd be picking him in my starting side for sure, given he's got the double in, in game week two. But if he is in that Australian setup, then obviously you're not going to touch him because he, he won't yeah, play. Yeah, double game week, week two, and is in ripping form. Yeah, really good form. What did he score the other day? 250 or 270 it or was a It was ridiculous, whatever it was. Yeah. Like we said last week, it's a very early look at the season. We know there is just over a month until it begins, but we wanted to talk to you. We wanted to touch base. We wanted to let you know that we were here. Thank you, Dill, for sitting down with us. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. And we will see you guys closer to the season.